Welcome to the BG Podcast, conversations at the intersection of business, community, and public policy from the Austin metro and around Texas. Today's episode is brought to you by the Lowy Law Firm, delivering top-notch customer service in the Austin area. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com podcast and on iTunes and Google Play. Hello, this is AJ Bingham, CEO of the Bingham Group. Our guest today is Dr. Colette Pierce Burnett, CEO and President of Houston Tilton University. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's my um, pleasure. Yeah, well, um, you're someone we've wanted to talk to for a while. We've watched your work in the community and um, love to get in your, into your background and also can you tell us about Houston Tilton okay. for those who, not, who may not be aware of the school. Okay. Um, I'd love to talk about the university uh, and thank you for the opportunity to share. We were founded jointly um, in 1875 and 1876. There was Houston and Tillotson, and the two institutions combined um, in the night later. But the fact that we were founded mere 10 years after Juneteenth, there in 18 in the 1860s, is just to me remarkable. And Juneteenth, for those who aren't aware, what Juneteenth is? Um, that was the day of liberation for um, slaves in Texas. Mm -hmm. um, quite a bit of time after the liberation Man's across the nation, right, but um, here in Texas it was Juneteenth, mm -hmm. happened on June 19th. So the university, so being founded 10 years later, that means that we started either um, educating slaves or direct descendants of slaves. And it speaks to the grit and the resilience of the institution. We're very proud to be Austin's oldest institution of higher learning, older than our sister institution, the University of Texas. Um, very, We have faith-based roots in the United Methodist Church and United Church of Christ. We're proudly a part of the 78702 East Austin zip code, um, one of the um, uh, what I would call sacred spaces here in this community. Mm -hmm. We brand ourselves as the intellectual heartbeat of East Austin. I'm very, very proud of that. We're a, um, a liberal arts college um, and a member of the United Negro College Fund. Our biggest degree producers are kinesiology and business, mm -hmm. ironically. Um, very vibrant, wonderful campus sitting on what is known here in Austin as Blue Bonnet Hill. So for those of us who have not, for those of you who have not been to the campus, I encourage you to come or, or follow us on social media. Mm. We're about in Austin, I mean, it's east side, and I think for those of us who are from Austin, we know that, but yeah. I mean, you, your, your border, your, your campus borders a major thoroughfare in Austin. Right, we're east. on 9th and Chacon, mm -hmm. um, east of Interstate 35, mm -hmm. um, bordered by Chalmers and 11th. Mm -hmm. Proper. Well, East 7th Street, too. Is and 7th. It's a transit corridor. Right, right, right. So you've been, how long have you been with the university? I've been here three years. I came July 1st, 2015. And I'm really humbled and blessed to be here at this time. It's a very exciting time of growth at the institution. We are growing our traditional enrollment as well as our adult degree program. We found a niche here in Austin with our adult degree program, being a smaller campus, um, offering degrees for non-traditional learners in a nighttime program. And the traditional enrollment. Um, we have a very active campus. We call our students the genius generation. They're just sponges willing to learn, primarily Texas residents. Mm -hmm. We are um, starting to branch outside of Texas, um, primarily in California, because we are the farthest west historically black college. In terms of recruitment? In terms of oh, recruitment. Cool. Right, okay. right, right. Overall population-wise now, how many students do you 1, say? 1,100. I mean, I'm sorry, from percentage-wise, how many are from out-of-state? 
Um, we have our our. This is a rough estimate, a presidential estimate. Mm -hmm. um, we're between 85 and 90 percent, um, between 80 and 85 percent Texas residents. Mm -hmm. We have a good component of international students um, from all over, um, from um, different countries within Africa, and we have Italian, um, as well as um, we have a Brazilian student, and we also have students from China. Okay. So we have a good component of international students, but most of our students are from Texas mm -hmm. residents, proud Texas. They're yeah. <laughs> well, I know um, before we had met uh, personally, I knew of your reputation. Just, I mean, it seemed like you got a very warm, warm and welcome reception to Austin um, mm -hmm. those first three years. Mm -hmm. Saw you in a few magazines. Uh, mm -hmm. Right, that was <laughs> uh, profiles. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, those are you know, mm -hmm. those are, it's always good. And just in your in your time here, and again, in reading about some of your work, which I want to go into, what was your once your feet were on the ground with HT the first year, what were what do you see as your vision? Maybe you should continue vision and your mandate for the school. Mm -hmm. Austin itself, as you know, is in it's always been a booming city, but I feel as a native here that it's definitely there's something I can't put a word on, but it's a big wave coming. Mm -hmm. And you know, as much as HT, what was your view of how HT can be a part of that? Mm -hmm. um, we are a part of it. Um, the university has been a hidden jewel. I think that the city has not maximized the opportunity to have a small, private, liberal, large, minority-serving institution in, like right in its front yard. The proximity is closer um, than UT to downtown. Yes, right. Like I can see University of Texas from my window. Um, and I want to emphasize the sister relationship between the University of Texas and Houston Tillerson University. Um, Dr. Finvis, the president of the University of Texas, and I meet um, fairly routinely, and we um, have committed to the relationship being very intense from an academic perspective. He and I are both engineers, and one of my um, objectives is to um, a, the, a good word here would be elevate or lift or um, amplify, that's the word I'm looking for, amplify the role that the university plays in filling the STEM pipeline here with, within Austin, the tech space. People don't think of liberal arts majors as being in the technical world, but that's really um, not accurate because People that are, do, especially in startups, are generally people that are well-rounded and creative thinkers. Mm -hmm. And liberal arts education is a creative thinking. Like I went to a, um, I have my engineering degree from a flagship large institution. I'm an Ohio State graduate. And the Ohio, the, the Ohio, the Ohio State, State University. Um, uh, when I was there, it was not that's classic branding. Mm -hmm. um, it's now and the it's Ohio me. State I University. Right, right now, everyone corrects me. Mm -hmm. um, so I went to a you know a, a large state institution, a large state university, and now I see the difference in having a small, intimate education, and how that um, really grows you as a person to be a really intense, creative thinker, and to be um, innovative and fearless, really. In and how you grasp thinking of, of things in new ways. And that's what um, the tech field is, is expanding knowledge. So here in Austin, we are working extremely hard for Houston Tillerson University to fill that pipeline, particularly when it comes to people of color. Mm -hmm. um, the the, the um, drain, if you will, of people of color being in that in those fields. And so I naturally have a, um, 
a, um, an affinity for that, yes. to want to see more women, especially more women of color, particularly black females in those spaces. So that's a space that the university can feel. And my career services office has done a yeoman's job in building strong relationships with us and more of the larger corporations and companies that are here in Austin. Mm -hmm. I'm very proud of those relationships that we've built with Merck, pharmaceuticals with home away um, even Texas Park and Wildlife some traditional and non-traditional relationships for our STEM majors our biologists our chemists um, we have a pre-engineering program our mathematicians our computer science majors so that they can get more exposure so Texas as a state has a mandate 60 by 30 where 60% of the population will have some form of post K-12 education or certification by the year 2030. And that pipeline or that gap is in people of color and in people who come from um, um, socioeconomic um, ranges of lower than middle class. Mm -hmm. And that's, a, that's what we do very well is to educate that segment of the population um, as a part of our uh, student population. Mm -hmm. So it's natural that we would be the, the um, front runners in that. And that's the role that the university is um, committed to playing. We've been doing it for 143 years now. Yeah. So continue to do that. Well, just to on broad, broadly about workforce issues in the Austin Metro, but in particular about tech. And I know there have been, mm -hmm. there was a recent article in the Statesman Last week about that, just mm -hmm. diversity initiatives On and where companies, it's something yeah. about where companies right. are, were with women and right. you know, and then and also people of color. Right. And um, I mean, I think that's great. I think there's a lot of, I know that the city and the county have had a broad workforce initiative, particularly around the, like the middle skill jobs, mm -hmm. um, uh, just to make sure that people aren't being left behind in Austin's mm -hmm. prosperity. Because mm -hmm. uh, you know, I know we don't want to be another San we don't want to be in San Francisco. At least that's the that's right. what I hear a lot from the, right. our leaders. And, and you know, we're right here in the city. Mm -hmm. And part of our draw when we're recruiting young people is that we're here in Austin. So it makes perfect sense that we want to continue to keep those individuals in Austin. We want them to, to you know live, work, and play in Austin. Mm -hmm. So a part of our a part of our um, what we do when we bring on um, new freshmen is we orient them to the beauty of Austin. We go on a bike ride. We do the bat tour. Um, we do the the the, the whole duck tour mm -hmm. um, there with the at the lake. We take them to the Blanton, we take them all around to the beauty, beautiful parts of Austin, and something that the university has, this is new for us, to show our students that they are residents of Austin so that they become a part of the community, and then to get them internships in this area so that they can become a part of the fabric of the institution. So much so that we've started a new program called the Career Pathways Initiatives, and we have partners in that, where when before students freshman year, they come onto campus for um, a, um, a, a very intense program of being oriented to college life primarily, but also being oriented to being a resident of Austin and to be read oriented into your career field, whether it's communications, computer science, business, um, kinesiology, and then they're hooked up with a mentor, if you will, uh, so that they are not, you're, in, you're, you're emerged into your particular career field so that you're on a pathway. So you don't get to your senior year and you say, you know what, I really don't wanna be a teacher. Mm -hmm. 
that's not something I want to do, where in your freshman year you start being exposed to it. And Austin has helped us to embrace that. Just as, a, as the president of Houston Tillerson, I always like to take every opportunity to say how fortunate I was for the reception that I received as a president. I replaced Dr. Irvin, my predecessor was here for 15 years, and I'm the first female of the combined institutions. Mm -hmm. So um, you, you have some angst coming in as uh, a new president um, replacing a, um, an, an individual that had a long-standing legacy in the community, and you're trying to, and I'm new to Texas, I'm an Ohioan, I'm a Buckeye, um, so when I got here I had some angst about moving to Texas, moving into a position um, that had been held by someone for a, a very long time, and the community helped to break that remove that from me almost immediately. Mm -hmm. My campus did, as well as um, city officials, the mayor, um, the county, um, the corporations. I had just a very warm reception. And people generally um, have a, um, an open heart and people want the university to be successful. Mm -hmm. And that makes my job a lot easier. Like people really do want the university to be successful. Even people who find the hidden jewel then they understand the magnitude of what of an impact that a minority serving institution has in a city like Austin and the role that it plays. So um, that has helped me in building relationships as opposed to I'm not out there having to convince people. Once people understand the mission and the legacy and the, the, the vision of the institution, which is to continue to bring people into this environment, um, give them a good education, because education is the great equalizer. So give them a good education and put them in environments where people are um, receptive and open and understand the beauty and the value of having a diverse and an inclusive environment. Because mm -hmm. there's a lot of power in that. And it's not just diversity in race, it's diversity of um, socioeconomic diversity, diversity in gender, um, diversity in religion, just people thinking and coming from different places, you come up with a much better product. I agree, I agree. Can you talk a little bit or touch a little bit about your, your work um, with the city or the schools, the schools, um, your, your interaction in your role with the city, the county? I know you, you're on the mayor's task force for institutional racism and you're vice, is a vice chair or you're, or you are co-chair? A co-chair. Co-chair, apologies, right. co-chair. Right, right. Um, but that, the engagement with that, I mean, just historically, what was the campus's, your, your, was that a mandate for your role, or did it, you know, kind of uh, come with the person, come with the hour, come with the person? Uh, how did that evolve? Um, Mayor Adler uh, the it, this is like for me, it was personally rewarding and professionally rewarding. Mayor Adler asking me to be the co-chair of the task force on a personal level helped me to grow as a person. And then it was really great for the university. When he asked me to do it, um, my first inclination was to say no, because it felt like a very big task. And my position was, well, is, a, a lot of responsibility comes with being the president and CEO of a, a small private black college in Austin, Texas. So I hesitated to do it. But then I realized that I would be a person 
be acting like a person who I try to encourage not to be that person. And that would be the person that really doesn't want to do the heavy lifting and really committed to want to make change. And I have a lot of passion when it comes to social justice and for people to be treated equitably and for people to have opportunities. That's why I changed my career mid-path to get into higher education because I quickly came to know that, like I said earlier, that it is the great equalizer. Education gives you opportunities that you don't have when you don't have those credentials. So when Mary Adler asked me to co-chair it along with Dr. Cruz, the superintendent of AISD, I didn't know Dr. Cruz very well. I had been in a couple meetings with him, but I didn't know him very well. And um, I slept on it, and the next morning I woke up and I, like, my soul said, this is something you need to do. So I committed to it, and it's, it's been a very rewarding experience because I saw a group of 200 committed, everyday citizens come together and really move the needle towards change. We wrote a report that had a little over 200-something recommendations, and almost 70 of those have been actionable, have happened. And the primary one is for people to go through a training called Beyond Diversity, Courageous Conversations. The mayor's vision was that all Austinites would be exposed to this. And that is slowly, slowly happening. And almost a 1,000 people have been through this training now. It started with C-suite executives, because the training, it, it makes you think through in your own heart how you feel about race relations, your own innate biases. We all have them. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that I grew up personally is because I figured I grew up black as a female. You know, I'm from, I'm first generation college, um, very urban family, very urban environment. I went to John F. Kennedy High School. You can't get much more urban than that mm -hmm. there in Cleveland, Ohio. So I felt like, you know, I really understood a lot about race relations. I've been I'm discriminated against. I've been treated differently because I'm a female and because I'm black. So I figured I understood things. But then when I went through the training, it really stretched me and helped me to see things through through different people's lenses, brown people, white people, um, to have the real courageous conversation and to realize that we really are more alike than we are different. I kind of felt that in my head, but I didn't really feel it in my heart. Mm -hmm. Especially when you're discriminated against, you build up this natural um, tendency to have a bias for certain groups of people. And when you sit in a room and have a really hard, courageous conversation about race relations and ethnicity and culture and differences and how people are brought up, it just really helps you open up as a person and changes your way of thinking. So if you're changing your way of thinking as a, an individual, then the decisions that you make in your company are going to be more informed, if you will. Mm -hmm. You'll be more in tune to your own biases. So I met um, several banking leaders who have changed um, or, or have gotten together. And banks are normally very competitive. But as a result of the task force's work, to come together and look at predatory lending or come and look at um, people who aren't bankable, how to get people to raise their credit scores, things that are systemic racism. Mm -hmm. so, and, and I'm so proud of Mayor Adler for calling it what it is. I mean, he was um, advised against calling it institutional racism, but that's really, that is the task at hand, is to how do we begin to dismantle institutional racism? And that's a big charge, but if we keep talking about how that's a big charge and never really continue to move into it and do the heavy lifting, we don't affect change. Like if, if our predecessors, our ancestors, particularly in the 60s, had said this is too hard, 
I'm too busy, I can't go to a meeting, those people don't like me, all the excuses that we make, mm -hmm. then we wouldn't have made tra um, a transition to equality. Yeah. So now that we are equal under the eyes of the law, now we have to move towards equity. And systemic racism is the barrier to, to, to equity. So as the president of the historically black college in Austin, it's a natural that I want to be a part of that conversation. And the university is an honest broker. I mean, universities are open think tanks. It's where people can come to be candid about where they are to move it to a better place, whatever the it is. So we've worked really hard to lift up, to open our doors to the community. Um, for various reasons, the university had not been open because of our own challenges. Mm -hmm. um, but now we're at a space where we can't afford not to be open to the community. We are a part of the community. And most black colleges are anchor institutions in their spaces. Not a lot of us are in um, big cities. Many of many are in rural t rural areas. So I have the advantage of being in a very prosperous big city. Yes. Um, so that prosperity, my role, well, the university's role, and my role as the leader, reporting to my board of trustees, is for the university to play a role in that prosperity because that's why we were founded is to give hope and equitable opportunities to people who are marginally underserved. Mm -hmm. So we cannot turn our backs on that mission. And I feel super, super committed to that, just as a person, in addition to being the president of the university. No, that's very critical. Uh, and tying in a few things you said before, um, with how you're you know, introducing your students to Austin, I feel, I've talked about this in prior episodes, but for those who are familiar with the, the um, city of Austin's uh, 1928 master plan, mm -hmm. um, at the time um, it, it was just it was sanctioned segregation. Mm -hmm. It drove um, African American communities and in brown and Hispanic communities across what is two was now um, across I-35. Mm -hmm. um, like for example, Clarksville was a freed slaves mm -hmm. neighborhood, as you know or mm -hmm. aware of, and mm -hmm. that, sh that shifted. Um, and Houston Tillotson, you know, for basically a lot the longest time, Austin was Austin. You know, the city proper was west of 35, right. the prosperity was there. Right. And I feel, you know, the way it's presented, presented now is Austin's found the east side again in the last 15 right. years. And right. it's just so happy, you know, Houston Tilton is the heart of that and a major mm -hmm. corridor, um, property owner. And um, mm -hmm. just, can you talk about the, you know, the development that's going on around the university? We're a representative of that culture. We're a part of the Six Square Cultural District. And one of our, um, uh, one of my presidential priorities is to be driving economic development around the university. They didn't plop University of Texas in the middle of that thriving business district on the other side. Cultures grow around universities. So I've had a conversation with several people that are interested, several entities um, that are interested in investing in the university and investing around the university so that we maintain that cultural. And I think that's important to the heart of Austin. I don't use the keep Austin weird, I say keep Austin magical, because mm -hmm. it's a very magical place. And I think we, I, I know that, that part of that magic thrives around the culture 
that's around a particular area. And the African-American culture, the Carver Museum, Sixth Square District, um, the ARA, Austin Revitalization Authority, and the university are committed to maintaining that here in this area. So gentrification is a bad word in many people's vocabularies, it's something we have to be very cautious of. And the thing that I see has been missing in the past, which we're committed to um, stop that hemorrhaging, is the planning of the community. Mm -hmm. So that it's not just um, pilfered, if you will, so that you lose the, 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 the beauty and the nature of neighborhoods, the beauty and the nature of the people that live there, so that it's more planned. So our planning, our being Houston Tillerson, as a part of the larger picture, the larger fabric of the larger narrative of the, of the city, as a sacred space, as a story for black college, is to be that reminder of keeping that culture here in the city. And that's what universities do, is they maintain um, the culture. Howard University is an example with the gentrification that happened there in, um, in that part of Washington, D.C. The Atlanta University Center where Morehouse and Spelman are with the gentrification, if you will, that happened around them mm -hmm. in um, Atlanta. Um, just two examples that pop in my head that have examples where those anchor institutions maintain that sacred space, if you will, um, because that term really captures what it is and then lifts the community around it. So the university University has to got to play a role in that, has to play a role in that from an economic development perspective and how we plan, particularly how we use our own land that we have to grow the mission of the institution and being a good partner, that public-private partnership, if you will, so that we can do what we, so we're true to our mission and we do something that lifts the east side of Austin, or lifts East Austin, and therefore lifts Austin. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a part of our planning process, and that's the role that we play. Okay, well, Dr. Burnett, I know you have to go. Thank you for your time today. I appreciate it, and uh, look forward to speaking with you more in the future. Thank you, AJ, and you're doing phenomenal things. Thank you for listening to today's BG podcast. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com podcast and iTunes and Google Play. Subscribe to stay current on future posts. Thank you to our sponsor, The Lowy Law Firm. You can find more information about them in the show notes.